0: It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran.
1: With me, Laura Curran. Let's bring in Laura Curran, a member of the Democratic Party. Joining us now by phone, Laura Curran. Laura, good morning. Now,
0: here's your host, Laura Curran.
1: Hello, I am Laura Curran, and this is Cut to the Chase, where we delve into politics, media, culture, and current events. Real conversations about real issues that affect our lives, no matter where we are on the political spectrum. All right, let's get right to it. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to cut to the chase. And thanks to everyone who is watching and listening live on Facebook. So we've got a great show. We got a lot to pack into a half hour. And I really want to thank both of my guests. We have with us in the studio at WABC, Joseph Cairo. He is the chairman of the Nassau Republican Committee since 2018, but has been very active in the Republican Party for decades. On the phone, we have Jay Jacobs. He has been chair of the Nassau Democratic Committee for 21 years, and he's also chair of the New York State Democratic Committee since 2019, a position he had uh, about 10 years ago as well. So before we take the gloves off and talk about the congressional seats, the state legislature seats, and of course the governor's race and uh, the role of the suburbs, specifically Nassau, in that race, I want each of you to take a minute and tell people what is it that a party chairman does? Most people don't know. Chairman Cairo, you want to get us started?
2: Party chairman takes the heat when you lose an election and doesn't get the credit when you win an election. That goes to the (laughs) candidate. It's
1: all the candidate.
2: Party chairman, uh, Republican Party were elected by the committee people who run every two years and we, we do it by villages, Garden City, Rockville Center, Hamlets, Baldwin, North Valley Stream. They caucus, select the town chairman and then caucus again and elect the county chairman. And what we have to do is participate and oversee the uh, selection of candidates, the campaigns, of course raise the funds and overall uh, the day-to-day operations of the, of the county committee.
1: I gotta think raising of the money as a former candidate myself is a never-ending slog.
2: Never ends. Years ago, I've been involved in politics for since 1971, member of the executive committee since 75. And years ago, you would get ready for the campaign and it would intensify in September through election day and then calm down a bit. Now it's year round. And the fundraising is uh,
1: never ending. You're correct. Chairman Jacobs, would you agree with that assessment?
0: Yeah, I think that was spot on. I like the way uh you Chairman Cairo started it because he's exactly right. You know, we, we take the hits when the campaigns don't work out, and the candidates get the uh, accolades when they when they win. But uh, as he said, you know, our our job is to recruit good candidates, try to find people to run for these various offices, which isn't always a, an easy task. Navigate between competing candidates who want to run for the same seat to try to avoid a primary, which saps your resources and divides the party sometimes. And and then as the chairman Chairman said, uh, you know, we have to raise a lot of money, oversee the campaigns, the uh, the polling, et cetera, and the field organization. Uh, you know, all of the people that we bring as volunteers to these campaigns. So it's it, it is never-ending, and uh, you know, on the one hand, it's a lot, but on the other hand, it, it is enjoyable as well.
1: Especially when you win, it's very satisfying. But it always reminds me of that Frank Sinatra song, riding high in April, shot down in May. You just got, you can't get too excited by the highs or by the lows or too depressed by the lows because you know at sometime the pendulum will swing back.
2: And as Jay says all the time, it's a cyclical, cyclical business. So Republicans may do well one year and then. The next year, uh, things turn around completely. Crazy business politics.
1: And that's really how it's been in NASA over the past several cycles. It's really gone back and forth. It really has been a pendulum. Now, this year, 2022 is a really big year. We have two open congressional seats. The two Democrats, Kathleen Rice and Tom Suozzi, are both stepping down. So those are open seats. We've got the state senate in the mix as well with very competitive races for the state Senate seats, and we've got a very hot governor's race. But I would like to start with the state senators. For a very long time, all of the state senators representing Nassau County were Republican. Then in 2018, just four years ago, the Dems swept. Now we're looking at new lines, red wave potentially. What is your strategy, Chairman Cairo, for winning some of these seats back?
2: Well, we think that the climate is with us now. People refer to a red wave last year. I think Alison Esposito, our candidate for lieutenant governor, uh, says it best, at least our way of thinking, that it's a common sense wave. I think many of the factors that were out there last year continue this year. So hopefully in the Senate races, we have the one district that is primarily a Suffolk district. Uh, Alexis White is running, although in a different district from that which she represents now, to succeed Phil Boyle. And we only have a portion of Massapequa in that district. So that's a Massapequa in the east end of the, the county a little bit, um, Farmingdale. So we feel that's a pretty strong district. We think we have a very good uh, chance in the Steve Rhodes battle against uh, Senator Brooks. Uh, Rhodes has been a county legislator, has done very well. He's working very hard. We think that's very competitive. Uh, the minority district, the Thomas district where James Cole is running, is, is very difficult. We realize that. If you look at enrollment, it's 67% or thereabouts uh, Democrat. And then we have the the North Shore District, Jack Martins. We think Jack Martins is a very formidable candidate. He served in the state senate, has a base in Mineola. He's very popular in the Portuguese community, uh, working very hard and wants to make a comeback. And then we have the the open seat, uh, the Todd Kaminsky seat down in the... uh, Southwest part of the uh, of the county through the five towns and that. We have a candidate there, Patricia Canzaneri-Fitzpatrick, who is a Malvern trustee, been involved in politics for a long time, previously had an unsuccessful run for the assembly. So we feel she's a good candidate. So we think we have good candidates out there. And we think that with the climate being what it is, we hope that it continues right through November and we see uh, a repeat of 2021 and 2022.
1: John Brooks has an especially difficult time because he's really won over his district, which is pretty purple. But now it's completely changed. So he's got to introduce himself to a whole new bunch of communities. So, Jay, what is the strategy going into this year to hold on to those state Senate seats? What are you working on and how are the candidates getting the message out that they should continue?
0: Well, you know, we've got some excellent candidates. Uh, incumbents that have done a great job. I think there's a lot of misinformation and um Uh, Just a a misconception that, you know, has been uh, brewing in in the electorate or with the electorate. I I don't believe it's baked in yet, but I think it's something that we have to counter, Um, you know, that we look at this crime wave that's happening, particularly in New York City. And, of course, it's happening all over the country. It's not just New York City. And this uh, this approach uh, the Republicans have had is to blame everything on bail reform. Which is just, it's just not accurate. I mean, it, it may make people feel good, but um, and provide a, a false answer. But it's not the answer. Is it as perfect? Has everything gone perfectly? Um, of course not. But that's not why we see the crime wave. And we have to talk about that because people are nervous and they're concerned about their their safety and crime. And of course. You take a look at uh, prices, particularly gas prices, and the rest that have gone up over the past several months, and that's got the electorate upset. And then we're the party in power. You know, Joe Biden is the president, so we take our hits on that. I always say that you know to to have a successful campaign, you need. You know, a, a good candidate, a solidly good candidate who can connect with the voter. You need um, a rationale, an argument as to why they should be either reelected, or if they're a challenger, why they should, uh, why the voters should throw out the uh, the incumbent. So you need a rationale, very important. Without it, you can't win. The last thing, uh, or the second to last thing, I should say, are the resources. You have to have enough money to get your message out. You have to have uh, troops on the ground to knock on doors to get the voters to the polls. So the resources are the third component. But the fourth piece is the variable that you have no control over. And that's the political environment. That's what is happening around Election Day. When voters actually go to the polls so things can look really good. I mean, I think you you'll remember, Laura, when you were running for reelection uh, just this last time, we didn't have a poll and our polling was good. We didn't have a poll that had you uh, any worse than 20 points up. Uh, on your opponent, uh, Bruce Blakeman, yet on Election Day, uh, by, by the last week or two, there was a, a, a coalescing, if you will, uh, of uh, a negative uh, uh, feeling or a negative mood in the electorate. Mm. A lot was going on nationally to help promote that, and uh, you know we, we, we lost by a hair. So the, the political environment is critical. I'm, I'm a little encouraged by the fact that gas prices are coming down. I'm encouraged about the latest job numbers, 528,000 jobs created in the country, and, and the inflation seeming to, to be cooling a bit. That, you know, We'll see how that, that uh, goes over the next couple of months. That may help us in the environment. But the mean, in the meantime, locally, we've got good candidates. I believe we've got the rationale, and we're making sure we have the resources. Uh, those three things that are our responsibility, we're you know, working hard on.
1: So Chairman Jay Jacobs, you raise a very good point. There are things that the party or the candidate has no control over, and that's the national mood. And it's so turbulent right now. There's all this controversy around the raid on Mar-a-Lago. There's, you know, how Biden is performing. There are all these very difficult, emotional and contentious issues. The abortion debate, the gun debate, all of that really affects how people vote locally. Uh, So you can raise the money, you can have the great candidates. You can have the rationale. But at the end of the day, it might be completely out of your hands. sometimes it it's more about who's sitting in the White House than who's running for your you know local council or whatever it is. But what, you know, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead,
0: Jay. No, no. I was going to say, yes, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, there's, there's some things we can do uh, about it. We can remind voters of some of these issues that they're concerned about and, and uh, try to connect the dots and explain why the person they're voting for is important or is connected and has an impact on the things that are important to them. And I think that, that that's part of our strategy.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, Joe Montello, God rest his soul, we just lost him yes. uh, a week or so ago. Sorry, but about he used that. to say thank you. We used to say he used to say that we only have in elections like this year when the governor is running or the presidential election we can only affect a few percentage points of the vote. So I think locally. So I think that you know overall the political climate uh, does have a great effect, as you said, Laura, and and I believe this year. You know, Jay speaks of, of bail reform. I think it's more than that. I think it's the funding the police. I think it's about people feeling safe. People in Franklin Square and in West Hempstead feeling that you know they want to be safe throughout the entire county. You know, there are some stores you go into and, and you see people just walking out without paying for things, and the stores seem to not want the confrontation, perhaps not want the bare publicity. I think people, whether they be Democrats, Republicans, or what have you, they want to live in a safe environment. And I think that I think that that will be a factor this year.
1: Yeah. So I want to talk briefly about the congressional races. So there are two Democratic primaries going on and actually one Republican primary going on. So for the Kathleen Rice seat and the Tom Suozzi seat, there are Democratic primaries. And for the Andrew Garbarino seat down along the South Shore, there is a primary as well. Uh, As a party chairman, I assume you want to project a united front. Do you get annoyed when people want to have a primary? Or do you say, hey, this is democracy, let's let let's let let us it play out? Chairman Cairo? I think that when you
2: see a situation like we had in the gubernatorial side, on the Republican side, the gubernatorial race, where Lee Zeldin had to spend almost all the money he had on hand in the primary, and doesn't have much left and has to start, you know, de novo with the general election, that is disappointing. Listen, I think that Primaries may sometimes bring out a better candidate, and so I don't get annoyed at them. If we have a situation where we feel we have a strong candidate, and that candidate is some who are really uh, behind in support, um, then we're going going to do that. However, it's the people's choice and it's within the party, unlike some states where you can cross over. I think in Virginia, we saw it happen several years ago, where a popular Republican lost uh, a primary because people not within the party could vote. We don't have that in New York. So we have primaries this year. We have the Garbarino primary. He runs just south of Merrick Road in Massapequa. So it's not that really... Uh, involved for us. And then we have the other congressional races, obviously. We have Anthony Desposito and George Santos in those two open seats. But generally speaking, of course, we'd like to avoid primaries. Why spend the money, the effort, et cetera? But if they're there, then we have to deal with them. Right. Chairman Jacobs?
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I think uh, Joe has it exactly right. I, I um, you know, primaries can be good, uh, I don't get annoyed by them. What I try to do is, um, have the individuals who are looking to primary um, try to be as realistic as they can be in terms of both uh, their chances in a primary and their, you know, their chances if they win a primary. Uh, because, you know, as an example, you know, Tom Swazi as you know, is a, a good and close friend of mine, and, yeah. and I just felt that. You know, as as much as you know, he he may be a good governor. I, I'm not even characterizing whether or not he'd have been good in the job. You know, we had a governor I felt, um, and we had a governor who I believed was popular and was going to win that primary. You know, it's hard to unseat in a primary, a Democratic uh, incumbent for governor. It's just very hard to do the 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 uh, the whole structure of the party between the labor unions and other groups and community groups. The, go be you know fall behind a a, a governor um you know it, it's hard to beat that and so and and you know Tom Swazi is a moderate Kathy Hochul's a moderate so is not even that much to distinguish yourself in a rationale so i argued in that case that i didn't think that it would be anything other than wasteful because i didn't think that tom would win he ended up getting i think 12 or 13% and i, I wasn't far off i said I, I i didn't think he'd get more than 16 i told him and um And and we spent lots and lots of money, and we went through this ordeal. And on top of which, you know, Tom, and this happens in primaries, you know, was hitting the governor pretty hard. I didn't think fairly all the time, but you know, he he hit her pretty hard. And and those are things that you might see uh, reemerging in a general election that uh, give the Republicans ammunition. So I just don't, I just don't think that they're good unless you believe they can be close. Now you take a look at the the um, third congressional. He got John Kamen, Robert Zimmerman, Josh Lapazan, and Dorigo are all running. Uh, they each have a chance. I, I suspect I, I couldn't argue any of them Rasool. out of the race. And, uh, yes, and Rasool. Right. I'm sorry, and, R- and Rasool. I, I don't think that, uh, frankly, she's going to. Uh, you know, from what I can see in the polling, uh, she's going to have much of a, an impact there. But uh, the other, the other four, I, I think have have some potential. all uh, we'll have potential, I would say. So. There, it's hard to argue with someone. I mean, they think they can win a congressional seat. They're fairly coveted. You don't come around very often. So you have to accept that.
2: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide.
1: So I had a primary when I first round for county exec, and it was, of course, one doesn't want to have a primary, but I'm just going to brag for a minute. I ended up beating him. It was like 80-20 or something like that. So that, that gave me some confidence and some tailwinds going into the general election, but that doesn't happen very often. Uh, let's talk about the governor's race. The primaries are well behind us. We have two candidates who've been working incredibly hard. But Chairman Cairo, I want to ask you, with with the registration so heavily Democratic in New York State, does Zeldin have a chance?
2: Well, I think though the registration has gotten worse for Republicans since 1994, my answer would be George Pataki. Yeah. Back then, Mario Cuomo was uh, unbeatable. Yeah. And uh, Pataki was this Hungarian assembly person and short-term state senator. And one day, Joe Mondello called me up. He said, are you free for lunch today? And I said, yeah, what's going on? He said, Al D'Amato wants us to meet somebody. So we went to Giulio Cesare, a, mm-hmm. a restaurant in, in Westbury. We sat, restaurant. At the, right, we sat at the table. The picture of the Pope is, is over the table. Joe Mondello always liked to sit at that <laughs> table. D'Amato shows up and he brings a guy by the name of George Pataki. And when we left, I said, George Pataki, really? And Mondello said, hey could be could be the climate. It could happen. So this year, people would summarily dismiss Lee Zeldin based simply on registration. But again, I think it's a different climate this year. He's worked hard. He has to do well in Long Island. He's a Suffolk County resident, has ties to Nassau, you know, grew up part of his life in Nassau. His parents are, are divorced, so his, uh, his dad still lives in Nassau County with his stepmom. And uh, I think he's a good candidate he served well he's got a good background he's working very hard money is a factor as i said earlier he unfortunately had to spend all types of uh, of money to win that that primary uh Robbie Esterino and of course uh Giuliani yeah. so it was a it was a very uh very tough time for him with respect to uh expenditures of of his funds now he has to start anew but i think there is a feeling out there and I think that across the country, the issue of crime and defunding the police, I think people are concerned. So I believe he has a he has a good chance. Uh, does he have to overcome the odds? Absolutely, he has to overcome the odds. But I've been around a long time. I'm a Jets fan. I remember 1969 when the Colts were like 18 and a half point favorites. And, you know, the game is played on the field on election day. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, that's right. Chairman Jay Jacobs, most people are assuming that Kathy Hochul going to win. She's raising a lot of money. She seems to be very steady. And, you know, in, in my opinion, she projects an air of competence. What do you think is her biggest liability? You know, as we know, anything can happen in politics. What do you think is her biggest vulnerability?
0: Well, I, I think that um, misinformation is probably the biggest vulnerability. You know, For instance, let's take this to fund the police argument. So uh, all moderate Democrats like myself have, have never used the term, never believed in it, always support the police, always support uh, public safety. You have a fringe part of our party which are extreme, and they have used that term in the past. They've stopped using it already. Now, on the other side, on the Republican side, frankly, you have an extreme also. They don't define you know, the basic base of the Republican Party, in my view, the extreme being your white supremacists and uh, you know, all of your anti-government crazies who were marching on uh, the Capitol on January 6th. I don't think that defines the Republican Party. It defines a group of the Republican Party. Same as in our party, you have this uh, more radical Extreme uh, group who have used that term, but by the way, the only people who've talked about defunding the police lately are on the Republican side. When they talked about defunding the FBI, because they went and executed a legitimate search warrant at Mar-a-Lago, of and found, of course, classified and top-secret information down there that should never have been there. But okay, so you know that kind of misinformation, that kind of an argument, can you know perhaps be damaging. But I think that you know people get to know Kathy Hochul uh, well enough. She's uh, you know not only a strong candidate. She's extremely likable. And I think that Joe is correct in the sense that, you know, you can always have a Republican, even though there is that overwhelming Democratic registration in New York, you can always have a, a Republican moderate who will challenge and make an argument And you have that potential Pataki was a moderate Lee Zeldin is no George Pataki Lee Zeldin is an extremist he, he, he voted to not certify The election of Joe Biden On the evening of the storming Of the Capitol The insurrection of January the 6th He, he has come out uh, In the harshest terms Against abortion New York State is a state That favors Roe v. Wade By huge numbers People have to know that He's against gun control Of any type He wants to see AK-47s. He doesn't care if people buy them. I think these are the issues. You see, you know, people getting shot in the streets of Buffalo, and we can't do anything about it. He doesn't believe in uh, the red flag. I mean, this, this, this guy is an extremist. So I think if you had a moderate candidate, we, w- we would possibly have some trouble. Not to say this is going to be a cakewalk. The, the voters need to know Lee Zeldin's record. And I think when they hear it, and we can make sure that we counter misinformation from the other campaign uh, on you know where we stand with uh, issues of safety and crime, then I think we're going to do just fine.
1: Chairman Joe Cairo, would you? what do you say to what J.J. Well, said? Well, I, I don't believe Lee's an
2: extremist. I believe that both parties have people way on the, the edge, on the fringe. Uh, Lee doesn't fall into that category. He's an Army veteran, still serves. He's a family man, Suffolk County base. He is a person who has served in Albany, has served in Congress, and I think when the people see throughout the state, regardless of party affiliation, who he is and what he stands for, I think we can have a big surprise uh, come November. You know, you made reference earlier to your first primary. Republicans last year in the middle of February had you up uh, by 24 points, and it was a, a no-brainer. So, Again, the only poll that counts is on Election Day, and we'll see how the people react to Lee as they get to know him better over the course of the next two and a half months.
1: So let's bring up the Trump factor. Jay talked about Lee not certifying the election. I'm hearing a lot of that from Democrats. Do you think that will sway, you know, those moderates who are in the middle who really could go either way, one way or the other? I don't think
2: people will even... I don't think they'll know or even care about that. I think people care about two things right now. Their pocketbook, the price of gasoline, how tough it is to uh, to survive, especially on Long Island. And I think secondly, they're concerned about safety, crime. I mean, every day you read in the paper, whether it's the Post or, or the Daily News or Newsday or any of the papers at the time, you read about muggings. We came into the city. There was no traffic this morning. We drove in. We got here early. So we have another engagement later up on 61st Street and Third Avenue. So we parked the car there and we walked down. We decided to go into a shoe shine. I haven't had my shoes shined in years. I do it myself. We walked down into a subway. We had to walk a couple hundred feet. I felt in a defensive mode. I was aware of all the people passing by me. I was concerned. I was in here a few months ago, right across the street. I, I won't mention the name of the competitor. I was across the street had dinner with some people, was walking to my car. I'm an older guy, I don't feel that way, but I am realistically. They said to me, we don't want you walking at 10.30 at night to your car by yourself. Safety's out there, people are concerned. You took the train in to Penn Station, I assume, from, mm-hmm. from Baldwin or Rockville Center, yeah, Baldwin. you know. Uh, if I were your husband, I'd be concerned. Or if, if it was, you know, if it was a wife worried about her husband or your children. Yeah, it's a different climate out there today, and I think that's going to override everything else. Safety, crime, and then the financial aspect of it, having to survive and try to live financially. Every time people fill up their gas tank, yet yeah, prices have come down a little. They see those numbers and, and they get upset. I think that's overall going to be what people are going to be concerned about come this November.
1: Let's talk about the role of the suburbs in this election. You know, we've talked about this so many times about Nassau kind of being ahead of the curve nationally. What happens in Nassau seems to, you know, foretell, foretell what's going to happen in presidential elections and that sort of thing. But the suburbs are their own particular breed of demographic and of politics, generally moderate, but quite swayable. What do you see Jay, as the role of the suburbs this year with all of the elections that we 're talking about
0: suburbs are critical they they have been for a while. We know what 's going to happen in in the city it's going to be you know democratic we have to see by how much upstate you know in 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 the Urban areas of upstate, I think Democrats will do well. In the rural areas, we've got a tough slog at times, uh, you know, uh, particularly in some of the regions, the North Country, Western, um, the Southern Tier, et cetera. But the suburbs, you know, have about 17 percent of the vote thereabouts, uh, you know, right here. And, and I would say that, you know, Suffolk tends to lean Republican and Nassau is up for grabs and we have a, a job to do. And I think that, again, a lot of it comes down, I, I agree with Joe uh, on what's going to be important to voters. I, I, I don't discount the Trump factor, by the way, and I don't think anybody should because more and more is coming out. And I think people are getting uh, a little bit more open-eyed about what was going on with this person. You know, when you when you, you are trying to take down American democracy, I think it's point that begins to register with enough people that it could have an impact. But I do think that certainly the issue of public safety and what we're doing about it, we have to articulate that here in the suburbs and in the city. And I think that, you know, the inflation numbers are are, are, are very important. Now, by the way, inflation is a worldwide issue. That's not a President Biden issue, it's certainly not a New York issue, it's worldwide. And, and gas prices similarly worldwide. That's not because of, of uh, Donald Trump. It's not because of Joe Biden. It's just because of the circumstances we went through in this COVID uh, pandemic that really set everything on its end. And these are the consequences we're paying right now. But, you know, look, they'll certainly make the argument that's all Joe Biden's fault. and uh, And our job is to try as best possible. Counter that, but the best thing that can happen, and there's no telling, as Joe mentioned, gas prices are coming down, and they are, they are slated to continue to come down. Uh, if that relieves by October and things look a lot better, you know, that's going to be hardly uh, not the issue that it was about a month or two ago, and maybe right now. So you know again, that, that idea of the general political environment will be very important, and here in the suburbs, particularly.
1: Chairman Joe Cairo, is there a, we talk about a Trump factor, but is there a Biden factor in the suburbs as a way to kind of pummel the Democrats?
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Come on. Joe Biden is the president. I respect the office, uh, but President Biden has done things and continues to do things that I think the voting public sees and they'll react to it. And I think their reaction will be to support someone else, the other party come this November.
1: All right. Well, voters, if you're listening, it's up to you. Please don't forget primary day is a very strange day this year. It's August 23rd. You can vote. Just look to see what's going on in your district, and then make sure you get out and vote in November, because if you don't vote, you don't have accountability. So I I really want to thank our esteemed guest, Jay Jacobs. Democratic Chair and Joe Cairo, Republican Chair, for joining me for our very first two-person interview on Cut to the Chase. We've made a very small moment of history today. So uh, I just also want to say thanks to both of you for coming together for a civil conversation, which I think we need more of in these times. Thanks again.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: Hi.